Welcome to Your Stories Podcast, where we hear candid stories from people conquering cancer. I'm your host, Brenda Brody, and I am delighted to welcome today Sherry Malone. In 2019, she received the devastating news of a breast cancer diagnosis that rocked her world. Today, we're going to discuss how not only friendship, but mentorship is critical for both patients and their caregivers navigating a cancer diagnosis. <laughs> Sherry, Sherry, welcome. Thank you. Thanks How for having you? me. Let's start with this. You and I met over 50 years ago. Do you have any memory of, of when we met? It was certainly preschool based on pictures that we have and memories, even in preschool. Yeah. You know, we were besties. I don't know if they called them besties back in 1970, <laughs> but yeah, those were some good times. Do you want to tell us a little bit about when you first got the news that you had cancer? Yes, of course. I am going to backtrack just okay. for a second. Go for it. Because you and I, at some point in young adulthood, lost touch a bit. I got married very young and started a family very young. So my right. life was just so, so very different. And we stayed in touch, but we weren't that, you know, as close as we had been in the years previous. And then along comes Facebook. And that really got us reconnected. And that is where I learned of your breast cancer diagnosis. So that's a really important part to my story, mm. because if it wasn't for the knowledge of what you were going through and how open you were on a social media platform, my story honestly would be completely different than it is. So I feel really thankful that we connected through that social media. I found out about your diagnosis and I followed every step of it. And we've talked about that recently where you were creating this blog during your treatment, during all your surgeries, your recovery. And I every day read what you were going through. And I was so devastated for you. I mean, I would never have said that to you, but I just, my heart was aching for you. And I couldn't believe that this friend that I've known for over 40 years is now so sick. And I was sort of in in awe, not in like a positive way, but just right, right. I wanted to know every detail and I wanted to make sure that you weren't going to die. I mean, to be perfectly blunt sure. about it. That set a scene for something that I had no idea was going to happen to me, to be honest. Um, and I am thankful for what you did. So without even knowing it, you were helping me eight years later. You didn't know it at the time. You, you were doing what felt right to you. And here... I can't even tell you how it benefited me. And we'll all kind of get to that because without that, I wouldn't have known what to do or who to call. So with my diagnosis, I remember it clear as a bell. I don't know anyone that doesn't, but I was at the gym because that's where I work and that's where I spend 90% of my time. Anyway, phone call comes in. I basically just fell to my knees because I felt suddenly very weak. <laughs> and I guess I was in shock. I don't, I can't say what I was feeling. I don't know what I was feeling other than this can't really be happening. You just, you suddenly become like you're in a dream. So I was scared. And um, my first phone call still sitting on the floor in the gym was to my husband. My second phone call was to Brenda. I called you and I said, Brenda, I have breast cancer. And you said, you do. I will be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> and sure enough, 
ding dong, bell rings. There is Brenda on my doorstep. And I couldn't have done the next steps, honestly, without you. You then at that moment became my mentor and my lifeline. Honestly, uh, I wouldn't have known anything. They were not very helpful. When I say they, the place that I had the biopsy and the mammogram, they were saying, oh, well, next week we'll do the next thing. Or, you know, maybe come back in a couple of weeks. We have to do an MRI and then we have to, you know, so there was a list of things that needed to be done, but they didn't seem to be really in a rush to do them. And I was, (laughs) I didn't want to wait. You took the reins. I mean, you really did. You were on the phone with surgeons (laughs) and with doctors and saying, I have a friend and she needs to be seen today. Today, we're doing this MRI. And granted, lo and behold, (laughs) 6 p.m. that night, we're at the hospital and you're holding my hand. I'm going down for the MRI. You knew the desperation. You knew the feeling. You got it. Right. I definitely knew the feeling and I knew what you were going through. And it's not like I invented it, I must say, because I was lucky enough to have mentors. And I had people walk into my house, take off their shirts, show me their breasts, tell yeah. me I was going to be fine. And from that, I've been able to since, literally since I got better, a year after I got better, I've been mentoring two to three women. It's just the universe has kind of taken over. Yeah. But I was so grateful to mentor you. I mean, because I knew what you were going through. Let's talk about your story. You went on and you ended up having a double mastectomy. Um, and then, um, we were lucky for you. You were stage zero or one and you did not need chemo. You went to my oncologist, but you did not need chemo, which is fantastic. And were you triple negative? Yeah. And you were triple negative. So you did not need tamoxifen as well. So, and you're doing great. How many years out are you now? That surgery was October of 19. So about a year and a half. Yeah. Just barely. You're doing great. That's, um, that's huge. So I think you navigating the steps that were going to be in front of me, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of steps. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long process. Mm-hmm. But you were giving it to me in these chunks, what needed to be known at that moment. And it was better than the doctors because I didn't always follow what they were saying. But with you, it was just a better understanding. Maybe it was just the friend thing. I'm sure that was a component of it. I think the doctors give great information, I find. But when you're in there, you're so, one is so nervous. Yeah. About I didn't what they hear it. Say. Yeah. I always tell people they should have someone taking notes with them. Yes. I know for me, I, I was always glazed over. I always had my sister or, or a friend in with me taking notes so I could look back. Yes. And you were there with me. So when the doctor was drawing me diagrams and telling me all these things, I was literally in a fog. I would have left there and been like, I I have no idea what I'm doing next. The whole triple negative, the, you know, all the, all the lingo. I was like, oh my gosh, I just don't understand all this. And you made it so clear and easy to understand. You literally were my clarity, but you know, sometimes there's just a piece missing and, and having that mentor, that person to provide the clarity and the understanding and the empathy, honestly, mm-hmm. that's a huge part of it as well. I had a cheerleader. I call you a cheerleader now, but at the time we called you a bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely assertive and aggressive, I guess we might say. Yes. And for those that don't have that, I think it's also important to know there are nurse navigators that the doctors have. And sometimes that resource isn't readily known, but there are people actually in the offices that can help with that. Yeah. 
obviously when you have someone who's been through it that you can reach out to, I think there's no better mentor than someone that's been through it. And not just for the patient. Yes. It's a full mentoring is, is for the patient and it's wonderful, but it allows to, you know, the family to kind of understand what the patient's going through. And your husband was an amazing example of someone who really was an incredible caregiver and was ready to help in any way, often though, not knowing what to do since the first time he had been through it as well. He knew the stats. He knew that though you had a double mastectomy, you were a very early stage and he knew you were going to survive. So for him, he was kind of like, this is great. She's going to survive. But you were you had to go through all the emotions as the patient of fear and anxiety and also the mourning, the loss of your breasts. And he would, you know, run into the bathroom and call me and go, okay, I think I'm being too positive. What do I do? And I was like, here you go. This is what you do. You have to acknowledge and be empathetic with her and validate. You don't understand, but you validate how she feels because right now she doesn't want to hear I'm going to be great because you were scared, depressed, mad, anxious, whatever it was. And when he learned to do that, it, it really did help you. Yes. Yeah. It, well, and you provided the, the tools. Road. Yes. And I think you provided those tools for him to use. Like he, he had the ability, he just needed that extra little oomph from you and you were able to provide that. Yeah. And he gave you, he allowed you to be vulnerable, which is what you needed to be. Mm-hmm. What we all need to be. It's a scary road. Even if you know you're going to be fine, but it's a painful journey until the next test to find out if you need chemo until the next test, you know, and you were a lucky one that didn't, but you didn't know when you went into this. And also something that we talk about on the podcast in other episodes is that we can control only so much about what our family is feeling and what they know, because they're also getting outside influences. And that's the other thing, especially for your kids that are far away. They're reading, they're Googling, they're talking to their friends who maybe know someone that's worse than you and they're far away and they're scared and they don't know what they don't know. And no matter what you tell them until they see you, I know a part of you was like, they don't need to be here going through it. And I remember saying to you, they actually, they need it. You don't need it, but they need it because they're 3000 miles away living and they want to know mom's okay. How did you react, though, during your darkest days when they felt helpless and were confused, not knowing how to respond to their strong, very, very normally positive mom having a completely emotional day and not being able to get out of bed? It was very scary for me to be living in those shoes because it's 180 degrees from who I am and what I am. Mm -hmm. But what I kept hearing so much of was, Sherry, you're so strong. You're so strong. And I'm thinking the reality is that that's the only way I knew how to be. So I handled it by trying to be pretty stoic about it, I think. And that that came across as very strong when a lot of times inside I wasn't feeling that way. After my diagnosis you started doing a ride for cancer during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. 
I've been coaching Cycle for now 13 years. Your story inspired me. So it was, it was a really safe space for people to come share their stories. And suddenly, when I was diagnosed, I was completely transparent and open with everybody. I never hid anything. I was telling the details of everything that I was going through. But that allowed people to feel comfortable telling their story. And then we came full circle because you were diagnosed during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I came to your gym and you had been riding year after year since 2013 for me. And right before your surgery, you and I rode for each other. We did. We did. And I cried for like, <laughs> and I remember looking at you, I'm crying and there's 30 people on their bikes. And, and I just remember looking up at you and tears and I, you looked at me and you shook your head like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to get um, through it. We're that was the ride of all the rides. Yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. And yeah, riding for you all those years. And it was, it was wonderful. I have one more question and that is, do you have any advice for others that are conquering cancer right now? I do. I think it's important to surround yourself with people that have been on this journey. Hearing s- stories was just proof that it was going to be okay. It was proof that there's life on the other side. It was proof that people get through it and continue their lives. Because when you, when you first hear the words that you're diagnosed, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. I would highly recommend writing down what you're going through, your feelings, you know, the day in, the day out, because you will forget. (laughs) You do block it out. Surrounding yourself with people that are positive and um, have experienced what you're going through, I think is a really important aspect to getting through, especially the early stages, for sure. Oh, Sherry, that is exactly why we do this. If we can share one thing that impacts a person fighting today or who's recovering and trying to figure out their new normal, then we we have done something so special and so impactful. Hearing the experiences of others can reveal the challenges cancer brings to patients and their families. To help researchers find new treatments and cures for patients with cancer, make a gift today on Conquer.org. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Your Stories podcast, Conquer Cancer. The participants of this podcast report no conflicts of interest relevant to this podcast. Full disclosures can be found on the episode page on Conquer.org. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. This is not a substitute for professional medical care and is not intended for use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy should not be construed as an ASCO endorsement.